Supergirl Radio Rebirth, your source for the DC Comics series called Supergirl Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl number 10. And since Supergirl teams up with Batgirl in this issue, we invited Sark from DC Films Podcast to help us discuss it. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Sark. Hi, ladies, and hi, everyone out there. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you this evening. Well, it'll be fun to talk uh, some Batgirl with you because I know you're a huge Batman fan and a, like a Batman family fan. So uh, just before we get started in talking about the issue, since we're going to be talking about Batgirl, what is your history with that character? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm showing my age here. I have this vivid memory, and it is a vivid one. It's rough. 1969 i am three years of age so i must be watching like the early reruns of the the batman tv series and i have this mad crush it is the first official crush i ever have on batgirl played by yvonne craig and um in fact it was such a crazy crush that this was back during the day where you would your your parents would um save box tops and when they had a certain number, they might send off for some item that's being advertised on a cereal box. Well, the reason that has anything to do with, with this story is I thought that's the way reality worked, that you just sent like photos of something in. You just mailed it somewhere and then you would get that thing back. I actually had my mother help me address an envelope with a picture of Batgirl in it. And I didn't know who I was mailing it to, but I wanted to mail it so I could get one of my very own sent to me that's how crazy this quote was so i have always loved Batgirl. that's awesome uh yeah i know i've heard from a lot of uh people who love like batman 66 that they always enjoyed uh when they saw batgirl ride in the opening titles because they knew it was a batgirl episode so uh yeah she's very popular yes absolutely and then so when uh when the animated series comes out and of course there's a another version to love of the Batgirl character, and I'm watching with my son and my daughter. Um, you know that that gave me a whole new level of appreciation um, for the character. And uh, even though I'm probably like a lot of people, I, I tend to hear Tara Strong's voice uh, when I read a Batgirl comic. Um, I do have a special place in my heart for the first uh, the first one to voice the character, and that was Melissa Gilbert, if I'm not mistaken. And I really liked her her take on the character. But yeah, so I've always been a big Batgirl fan, obviously more of a Batman fan. Uh, but yeah, uh, crazy, mad in love with Batgirl and excited to hear that there's a, a uh, standalone film possibly around the corner. That's right. I appreciate that you uh, give some love to Melissa Gilbert. I think she's an underrated actress. And so it's it's good to... Good to hear some love for her version. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the issue. Supergirl number 10 was written by Steve Orlando with art penciled and inked by Brian Ching. The description for this issue reads, quote, Escape from the Phantom Zone Part 2. The Phantom King holds all the cards, and he's forcing Supergirl and Batgirl to turn to the alien antagonist in order to save themselves and the humans trapped inside the Phantom Zone, unquote. So, uh, Sark, since there, uh, since Batgirl is in this issue and she sort of uh, helps Supergirl and Ben get out of some scrapes, what did you think about her use in this issue? Um, I really enjoyed it. You know, I have to admit that I'm very much an amateur when it comes to 
uh, reading comics. Uh, it's just not something that I've incorporated into my life, and I get a little too busy, and it's something I wish I was able to do more often. Um, so this is even this experience was somewhat new for me, and I, I felt like I had to read the comic several times to get a feel for the flow. Um, but this was my first exposure to this current iteration of Batgirl in the comics, and I had heard that there was there was a kind of a refreshing take with her. So the the word that kept uh, coming to my mind at first was uh, how spunky she was. You know, just the, I'm not really sure how old. She's supposed to be right here, but I kind of got the impression that she's a teenager. Is that correct? She, uh, I think, is probably early 20s. I don't know. Carly, do you do you know an age for this version of Batgirl? She talks about her high school like experience. She says that she, did, she didn't start fighting until high school. So she's, she's either high school age or older, but I, I think she's a little bit older. Yeah, I think okay. she's like a young adult in okay. this. So maybe not by much. She's she's a little past the, the high school years, but it was just her youthfulness that I was struck by. And I liked her resourcefulness, um, a very resourceful character, which, of course, I think anyone who's interested in the Batman mythology uh, is probably going to be attracted to that. But, yeah, I really liked um, her her get up and go, her willingness to not give up. Uh, when their situation looked pretty bleak. Batgirl comes up with some solutions in this issue on how to uh, get free and get them away from uh, being boiled, which is a, a good good trait, good, good, good for Batgirl to prevent them from being boiled. Um, Carly, do you have any thoughts about Batgirl in this issue? Um, I like how capable she is. I think one of my favorite panels on the whole comic is the one where she is pulling the lock pick out of her cape and yes. in her, and she's talking with it in her mouth. Yeah. It's just such a, it's just so such a simple thing, but like, like the expression on her face, she just looks so pleased with herself, <laughs> like right before the action starts. And then the next panel is what? like, you know, punching people in the face. So I, I love that part. It's a little bit of a calm before the storm. She seems really, really chill. <laughs> and then the next panel, she's like, I'm going to hit you in the face. That that one, and then the one where she and Supergirl both have their arms pulled back. Yes. Getting ready, getting ready to dual punch at the same time. Pretty awesome. Yep. Love it. Yeah, I, I really liked Batgirl in this because I think it proved that you don't have to be uh, a superhero. You don't have to have super abilities to... Uh, help save the day and help save save your friends because the Phantom Zone is kind of an equalizer. Nobody has powers here, not even Supergirl. So um, I, I liked that uh, Batgirl was also using her intellect. She used her brain and, and working with Supergirl to, you know, Supergirl says that Batgirl might be a better fit to help get them out. And Batgirl's like, no, you have this Kryptonian heritage that you you can pull from this knowledge of of this world. So I like that they were able to work together and kind of use their individual strengths to team up. So I, I really like that a lot. Um, Carly, what did you think about Supergirl in this one? I feel bad for Supergirl only because I feel like she gets taken advantage of a lot. Like in this one where they think, oh. Someone might be here to help us. And, you know, and that's who he calls himself Jill Ka. And then they get on his little boat and then they realize it's Adu. I'm like, Kara, you did it again. You're too trusting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why we love her. But, you know, then 
I, it's one of those things where it's, you get in this type of a situation where I think you don't want her to be less trusting because that's not who she is as a superhero. But I, I just, you know, reading this whole issue, I was like, Kara, <laughs> this is how you get into tough situations and you need your Batgirl to help you sometimes. Yeah, sometimes she uses her heart more than her brain, uh, which I think she definitely does towards the end of the issue, for sure. Um, Sark, do you have any thoughts? Is, is this your first venture into a Supergirl comic? Did, what, what did you take away from this issue about the character? You hit the nail on the head. It is definitely my first. So, you know, I don't have the familiarity with the character, um, but I did feel sorry for her um, because I almost felt like in her youthful state, she's become quickly accustomed to relying on the superpower thing that she possesses and almost was willing to throw in the towel, it felt like. And uh, so in, she had her buddy, Batgirl, there to remind her, oh, you've got much more to, to draw off of. I have to do this all the time it was kind of the idea that I got. Um, and she was there to encourage her. So, yeah, I did feel sorry for her that at first, you know, she almost seemed to minimize what she brought to the table with her superpowers being gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably tough when you're used to being the one who has the super strength and the heat vision and all of that. And then you go somewhere where you can't use any of that. And you probably would feel a little useless or you would feel helpless because you didn't have those abilities that you could rely on anymore. Uh, So I definitely think there was a little bit of that with Supergirl in this issue. But I also... Um, To sort of piggyback on what you said, Carly, about how she is sometimes a little too trusting, I do think she actually did recognize that about herself. Yeah. Because on on page 20, she had some self-awareness, but also a lot of confidence. She says, giving people the benefit of the doubt can be dangerous, and you need to be ready. And she talks about how size and pain and Zadu hurt her and that she she knows that she can reach Sai. She can help Sai. So she definitely realizes that if if you're trusting people, it can be dangerous and lead to bad situations. But she has this self-confidence that she can do something to help, even though she doesn't have her superpowers. So I really like that about Supergirl in this issue. And so we get introduced to more of the phantom zone and we get to meet some of these other characters and carly you mentioned zadu um i think i think we should talk about him because he's a very interesting character so sark what did you think about this villain that i think he's uh, original to this series i don't think I, I i've never heard of zadu in any other comic uh what what's your take on this villainous character that <laughs> wants to boil everyone to get their essences for his his armor what did you think about him well i, I was kind of impressed with him as a villain uh, because and you did make me feel good because i had never heard of this character before so i didn't know if i was just completely out of the loop um but yeah a uh, very twisted uh, individual I, I really don't know what to think when all is said and done but just um the idea that he's essentially melting people's uh, essence. Are they mainly Kryptonian, the the ones that he's wanting to melt? I think he wants to boil everyone, but Supergirl is uh, is a special case because of her super abilities. He he says this really gross line. He says, "I have use for your meats." I was like, "That's gross. Stop saying yes. stuff like that." Yes, that is. Yes. 
Ooh, yeah, yuck. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's super gross. But uh, I think he's using Supergirl because she has that solar power, and I think somehow I don't I don't know, Carly. Do you do you get the sense that he wants like Kara's <laughs> Kara's meets, if you will, to help him get out of the Phantom Zone? Is that his end game? I'm sort of confused by it. Yeah, or use it they because they, they're talking about it in the prison cell, and they're like, oh they want to boil us alive and use what's left to funnel into his ecto armor. I don't really know how that would work, but I was curious because I had never heard the name Zadu before. So I did a little research and apparently this isn't the first time he's been in a Superman story. Oh, really? And he has like an ecto suit. Uh, I did a little DC Wikipedia browsing and it says he showed up in Action Comics Volume 2 Number 5 in t- March 2012 and he was a Kryptonian researcher interested in improving research into suspended animation however the unethical nature of his studies led to the Kryptonian Science Council suspending his research and choosing him as the first inmate of the Phantom Zone which Kara kind of explains to them that he was the first Kryptonian to get imprisoned in the Phantom Zone. Uh, and then he basically swears revenge on Jor-El. Uh, over the course of his incarceration in the Phantom Zone, he built an ecto suit, which would allow him to walk free. So basically the suit would help him get out of the Phantom Zone. Uh, however, Krypton exploded before it was complete, and his one attempt at revenge was thwarted by Krypto. <laughs> that's hilarious it is then it says years later he was able to use the temporarily reactivated phantom zone projector to swap places with kal-el unfortunately his scheme was unsuccessful and he was banished to the phantom zone again (laughs) uh so it seems like no matter what incarnation he's in he's basically just doomed to be trapped there he he's a he's a complete failure he's a complete he's a crypto fail and then and then the suit would help would enable him to leave so he that's what, why he's trying to get people's meats oh, it's so gross <laughs> we we, sh- we shouldn't say that for the rest of this discussion nobody can use the phrase using their meats i'm going uh, <laughs> I'm going vegan after this. <laughs> it's being it's being banned from this discussion. Their energy. Yeah, their their energy. That's a that's a better way. I I will allow energy or essence uh, as a, a replacement noun. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I I guess I was lazy on this issue. I didn't <laughs> look that up. I just because I had never heard of Zadu before, um, so I didn't think to. So thank you for doing that research. Very fascinating. Um, and that brings into perspective why he's so upset with Jor-El. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a little bit of a revenge on Jor-El. And that probably, you know, plays into why he is after Kara specifically, since she is part of that family. Um, one thing I really did like about Zadu was that he had that ship. He has a, a phantom cruiser called Val Khan. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I've never seen anything like that in the Phantom Zones. So I'm very curious as how it got there. It's apparently the one of the only solid things in the Phantom Zone. Uh, so I have a lot of questions about the Phantom Zone now that, like, 
there's this question of things that aren't solid and things that are solid. So I'm like, what? What is happening in the Phantom Zone? Um, and I guess, Carly, we can uh, talk about Ben Rubel since we've been following Ben since the beginning of Rebirth. Did you have any thoughts about Ben in this issue specifically? It's interesting that the he basically bonded with Supergirl a little more. I felt bad again. Felt bad for him. I feel like I felt bad for a lot of people in this issue. I felt bad for <laughs> Ben because he because he was like my family didn't care about me and they shipped me off. That was it. you know yeah. to go to school and it sounds like his parents were kind of irresponsible in the sense that they like he he talks about them like they were having a kid gets in the way of like partying and pretending that you're under forty. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like his parents were pretty irresponsible and not really in, like they, they would rather send him off to a good school and say they were being good parents, but don't actually want him to be around, which made me very sad for him. Yeah. He, he, he does have a really sad backstory in terms of his family and the way he's been treated. Uh, Sark, did you have any thoughts about Ben? Ben is a, is, is a character that I think is original to rebirth uh, do you have any thoughts about his story? Oh, um, that would explain why, yeah, he was completely foreign to me. But I thought he was a, a sympathetic character, and especially, I'm going to sound like I'm trying to steal Carly's thunder, but yes, when he had the admission of what his childhood was like, that was that was touching because that was a very real thing. I think we all know people, or we've met people, or we have those people in our extended family that they're in similar situations, and so yeah, that was that was touching to see uh, that very broken part of him come to the surface yeah and i think he used that broken part of him to be a hero he he says that he he doesn't want supergirl to have to catch him anymore he wants to be able to catch himself and be able to pull his own weight and i really liked that they gave him opportunities to be a hero in this issue he um he speaks up for uh to the guards to try to help Batgirl he hops onto the back of one of the big guards and the guard even calls him a thin-armed fool which I thought was an interesting description uh but yeah he he um he does what he can to help out and and I thought that was awesome considering he is not a costumed hero he's just a guy who got swept up in the phantom zone (laughs) with these two and he is able to hold his own so I really liked getting to see more about and hear more about Ben in this issue all right, so let's uh, talk about some of the art. Uh, Sark, did you have any favorite panels or, or pages that you, you thought uh, people should pay attention to? Yeah, Carly's going to think that I've been looking at her notes, but um, she, she mentioned... Uh, <laughs> no, I totally favorites. jumped. I jumped on yours, your <laughs> notes. I didn't even look. <laughs> well, but the, uh, the one with, uh, with Batgirl, with the, um, the, the pick coming out of her mouth, you know, and she she does look very pleased with her ability to have uh, you know sequestered that away and hidden it from uh, her captors, um, and it being so close up on her, there's something there's just that kind of youthful um, vivacity she has, and I thought the artwork was very good because it really captured that you know like a young lady uh, taking pride in the fact that she can do some things and do them very well, and she's about to uh, she's about to strike. And then the one right after that, I I think. Um, She's using every limb that she has to clobber these people. I love <laughs> that. And, and then, of course, the one with the, the uh, juxtaposition of her with Supergirl. To me, and this is going to show my, my, not only my Batman bias, but my Batman 66 bias. 
Um, but that looked very Batman 66-esque to me, you know, like where they're reared back and they're about to to uh, to punch, you know, their foe. And it, it reminded me kind of, of of something, that choreographed move that you would see Batman and Robin have uh, on the old TV series. Uh, even the background kind of has that um, stylized look to it, that pop uh, art kind of look to it. So, yeah, those were the ones that really stood out. But the but the entire thing, I was really impressed being able to see uh, using the, what is it called, the, the guided view. Yeah. The comic comes very close in and tight, and you can see all the detail. And I, to me, the artwork overall had a very, um, when they revamped Batman the Animated Series, and everything was tighter and sleeker and a little more stylized. That's what some of the artwork almost reminded me. Maybe a little dirty in compared, not so crisp and clean, but but the but the lines that were drawn reminded me of some of those characters. Nice, yeah, good points. Um, Carly, did you have any favorite panels or pages in this one? Yeah, I feel like if I had to pick one, it would be the bottom panel for page fifteen with. Supergirl and Batgirl during their dual punch action. Uh, aside from that, I mean, are we going to talk about the full page spread of the dragon? I think like, I think we should. <laughs> holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that really that good. Is cool. That's mm-hmm. page uh, 21. And it's basically like you can't you can barely see Supergirl in it. Yeah. She almost kind of looks like a little meteor falling towards the dragon and then and then of course the next panel you get ben and Batgirl looking horrified <laughs> uh, i also love that she winks right before she does it <laughs> she just winks at them and then she's like okay gonna go dive bomb into a dragon see ya. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that whole spread is fantastic yeah little known fact about me i love dragons i love dragons i'm a huge fan of maleficent so uh disney's 1959 sleeping beauty is one of my favorite movies and one of the reasons is because of that last sequence with maleficent when she turns into a dragon it's amazing i'm also a big fan of uh, if you ever go to epcot at disney world um there is uh, a little a little character known as Figment, who is a little dragon who I also love. So I, I have this uh, fascination with dragons that I really, um, I, there's something about them that I am always kind of drawn to. And so when I saw Psy, I guess, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Psy turned into the dragon, right? That's, that's how everybody read that? Uh, that's what I thought yes. happened. <laughs> yeah, that was my understanding. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't confused and said it incorrectly, but... Uh, when Psy turned into the dragon, I was like, this is my favorite issue of Rebirth. I know there's been some good stuff with Lauren, the hot Kryptonian werewolf. I got to give it up to him. But this whole dragon sequence, I was like, this is what I signed up for. This is good stuff. And this is why I have said time and again, Psy is a great character in this Supergirl mythology because you get weird stuff like this. Uh, so I, I was very happy to see that. And I love the, the color of the, you know, the purple and just the the way it really pops off the page. So I would definitely like to talk about the dragon. I also think, uh, I would like to mention the covers of this issue, the, the actual cover. And then I think the variant cover on page three, I really liked how Zadu 
was uh, drawn. He looks very menacing and scary. And so um, I like that for a character who's trying to boil people uh, alive and <laughs> and um, suck out their meats, which I know I was banning myself from saying it. Oh, it's fine when you say it. I see how it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's okay if I say it. No one else can say it. Uh, but... But uh, he should be menacing and scary because it's really gross and scary. And so I really liked the way uh, the art captured that. Um, I I was a little confused on page 18 about what Zadu does with his claws. Uh, That that was the only thing in this book I was like, I I don't know. I mean, does he, I guess he poisons Supergirls, but I don't know if he does that because his claws light up or he punctures her somehow. That was the only thing that I didn't fully understand, but I, 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 I do think that the Supergirl stuff and the size stuff in this is what really um, got me excited about this issue. And the stuff with Psy in particular, uh, with uh, like, there's a couple of on page seventeen. There's some stuff with Supergirl and Psy that I just, I just thought really captured the uh, the Supergirl character about how she was trying to connect with Psy. And um, it was just the two of them, and I, I really liked that in, in terms of the Supergirl character about how she was, you know, she's looking up at Psy, who's, who's asleep, and it's not until Supergirl comes along that Psy wakes up. So I really, really enjoyed all of that stuff with Psy. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts they want to share before we get to uh, overall thoughts? Any Anything else you wanted to point out? I had never heard of the Phantom Zone until Lego Batman. So I almost wondered, was that something they created for that movie? And apparently not. So I'm assuming that uh, the Phantom Zone is kind of uh, something we find in the Superman mythology. Oh, big time. Big time. Phantom Zone has been around a long time. If you want to uh, check out the different media interpretations, it's in... Superman 2 with Christopher Reeve. It's in Supergirl the movie. It's in, you know, Smallville did it. Supergirl mentions it. Uh, so the Phantom Zone, they even talk about it in Man of Steel. The Phantom Zone is uh, where, oh, uh, yeah. where Zod and Feora and that crew are sent. So yeah, it's been depicted in different ways, but it's generally a, a, a prison for criminals. Okay, that's probably what threw me off. Okay, so yeah, even Superman 2 you spoke of, that was the, uh, almost that like triangular thing yeah. that was floating through the air and yes, entrapped the three villains. Okay. Yeah, we've we've sort of joked on Supergirl Radio about how this seems to be the first time that the Phantom Zone has architecture and buildings. <laughs> Usually it's it's either like a like a barren wasteland with phantoms or it's some sort of triangular thing that they're stuck in or you know it's usually not very pleasant but here it's like oh they have ships and (laughs) and buildings and uh people being boiled alive uh so so yeah this is a little bit of a different phantom zone for me cool i did want to talk about something super important in this issue um carly i don't know if you caught any of this but there were some heavy supergirl the movie references in this one (laughs) Uh, okay people are gonna yell at me on twitter for this but i still haven't seen supergirl the movie still haven't watched it no i thought i assigned that as homework (laughs) i still haven't i still haven't seen a lot of the like i mean i've seen some of the older superman movies and i know i talk about loving christopher reeve so much but and 
admittedly have not watched all of those either. I'm a terrible person. No, you're not. You just you just need some schooling. <laughs> I mean, it's a long summer. I can I can watch it. <laughs> I I think you should. That's that's going to be part of your homework before season three starts. Is you definitely need to watch Supergirl the movie, and I think you would like it because Faye Dunaway in that movie is straight camp and she's awesome and uh i highly recommend it and one of the things in this issue was that her character from supergirl the movie is in this issue and i think i think i tried to look this up i think this is the first time she's ever appeared in a supergirl adapted story uh, her character selena is in Supergirl the movie, but I don't think she's ever popped up in anything else. And so this was a real surprise to me uh, when I, so I knew it was her because uh, she says the line power of shadow in the comic book issue in Supergirl number 10. And that's what she says in Supergirl the movie. And it's like a a way for her to summon this, uh, this big monster in the movie. Have you seen Disney's Fantasia? Uh, there's a sequence called Night on Bald Mountain, and uh, it's a really scary. It's like the a scariest one, aka the scariest part of Fantasia, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> not not the not the like uh, elephants dancing around in the tutus. <laughs> Uh, the really scary part of Disney's Fantasia. So they actually uh, designed this uh, shadow monster from Supergirl the movie after Disney's Fantasia. Oh, so that's kind of what pops up when she says power of shadow is this big monster and so when i saw that in the book i was like uh what this is a supergirl uh the movie reference and they also talk about a character named nigel and nigel is a character who hangs out with uh selena in supergirl the movie uh he's sort of her mentor teacher she's a she's a witch she delves in the you know black magic so i think that's a reference to him uh, so there were a lot of Supergirl the movie references, and so I was glad to see Selena actually show up in a Supergirl related comic uh, because I, that's never been done. So I'm very excited to see what they do with her uh, to see what comes of that because they they used her in a very similar fashion that she says power of shadow, and this creature comes up and kills these like puritanical. Uh, looking guys Uh, but one of the questions I also had in relation to her is that she is revealed to hang out with Magog and Emerald Empress and I didn't know exactly who the other character was who actually says Selena's name in the book but she sort of looks like Brainiac 8 aka Indigo uh, so I think that may be who that is. I don't think we know for sure. But Carly, you'll you'll definitely remember Indigo because she was fabulously played by Laura Van Voort in season one of Supergirl. Yes, she was. With all of the uh, the great hand acting and the, <laughs> the fingernail acting that she did. Uh, <laughs> so I think maybe that's who that is. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see in coming issues because she was not named. So there was a lot going on in this one issue. There was... Phantom Zone stuff, people being boiled, dragons, Supergirl, the movie references, just a ton of stuff. So uh, I guess we could go and uh, talk about our overall thoughts. Um, Sark, did you like or did you not like 
this introduction to Supergirl comics. What was your overall take about it? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, the, the impression I came away with is that it's too bad that there's not more time in my day where I could include um, a little more comic reading than I have in the past. Uh, every time that I've done it in the uh, before, I'm always uh, very impressed with, with what I find. But this one in particular, with me not being, say, a Superman guy or a Supergirl guy, um, I was very impressed with the storytelling. And I noticed that as an amateur comic reader, uh, that second and that third time through, as I began to, to pick up on, on the way to read and go from panel to panel, um, that there's actually, I started to see the humor and I started to see the little quips and I started to, to uh, feel the action. You know, we were inundated with, um, you know, kind of a bombast of media representations, you know, on the big screen with sound that's provided for us. It really kind of kills our imagination at times. And so reading this, you know, it, it allowed my imagination to come to the, to the forefront. But we was very impressed with both the Supergirl character and the Batgirl character and even the villainy that we saw before us. So, um, yeah, I'm very impressed with uh, kind of this little, this first foray into uh, the Rebirth series that I've heard so many good things about. That's awesome. Yeah, one of my favorite things about reading comics is putting myself into the story. And it, if you do it enough, like I when I when I do it, sometimes I can hear the action. Sometimes I can feel like if it if it looks like it's cold, I can sometimes feel the cold in there. So, um, so sometimes it's it's neat when that happens with art when when the image is able to put you in that situation. So I'm glad you had a good uh, first experience into Supergirl comics. Uh, Carly, what did you think about this issue? Major cliffhanger alert. <laughs> but that's a sign of a good comic to me is when I get a cliffhanger and I'm not like, uh, like I, I felt like I was a little bit like that at the beginning of Rebirth just from because it was like a multi-issue cliffhanger with the whole bringing Krypton over Cyborg Superman storyline. Um, and this is far as i know is hopefully going to be the only kind of big cliffhanger tying this arc together fingers crossed but i wasn't annoyed by it if anything i was disappointed that there wasn't more i was like really that's it we're at the end already uh just when we're getting into the action <laughs> but i really liked it i love i continue to love batgirl supergirl team up it seems like now they've kind of graduated from just playfully snarking at each other to actually relying on each other as teammates and kind of recognizing the strength that the other person has. And I really like that. Like I liked that Batgirl was like, yeah, well I notice all the little details, you know, I, she's kind of got that like detective brain, like her dad. And so she can kind of spot all the little things, but Kara knows the politics of it. Kara knows the Kryptonian side. So she, like, Batgirl can figure out, you know, she can notice, oh, well, Zadu said something, and I don't really know what it means, but I know I heard it before. But you know the translation, you know, you know Kryptonian. So I appreciated that, I think, a lot. And then, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, what does happen when you face dive into a dragon a psychic <laughs> dragon i guess we'll find out <laughs> i would agree i think this is one of the first issues of rebirth that i'm like i want to get to the next one and find out what happens with this dragon because uh, so, sometimes I, and you mentioned the earlier arc with the cyborg superman like that one seemed more 
predictable. Like, I kind of knew, like, the end game, like, eventually Cyborg Superman and all his Cyborg Kryptonians, they would get defeated and all of that. Like, that that seemed, I, I kind of knew where the story was going. Even though I didn't know why Eliza is missing a hand, I knew where the story was going. We still don't know, though. We, we still, still don't, don't know. We're 10 issues in. But this arc of it, I have no idea where this is going. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to get out of the Phantom Zone. I don't know what's going to go on with this dragon. So I think that's what excites me most about it is that this is something new and refreshing. And so I'm very much looking forward to it. And I thought, uh, Sark, you mentioned a little bit of the humor. Um, I, I did think that there were some things that maybe weren't supposed to be intentionally funny, but like Zadu calls Ben, Ben Rubel <laughs> instead of Ben Rubel because Kryptonians have that L, you know, the last name. Okay, yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny that he, he, he referenced him as Ben Rubel. Uh, and maybe that's the whole reason that he has that name. I'm starting to think that's intentional from Steve Orlando to create a character with that name. And I, I did uh, finally start to pick up on the way Supergirl talks. Um, yeah, so in Supergirl number eight, Supergirl mentioned that she struggles with contractions in the English language. And I, when I, like you were talking, Sark, about, you know, having to read things a couple of times to sort of get it, um, I started to notice that Supergirl never uses contractions when she speaks. Like she says, do not instead of don't. So I'm glad to see that the things they talk about in terms of Supergirl trying to learn the language that it's it's actually used that way when she speaks. And there is some Kryptonese on page 10, and it was sort of hard for me. It continues to be difficult uh, for me to uh, translate in Rebirth. Uh, but there's a mention of a freedom key, uh, which I think is a reference to Psy. So I definitely know that at some point during all that Kryptonese, the two words freedom key are used. So I, I, I love this issue. I thought this was great. We even got a Lauron mention on page 11. Zadu calls Lauron a hole digger. So overall, great issue. Looking forward to uh, finding out what happens next. And before we wrap up, uh, I just want to mention some listener feedback from at ScottDC27, who uh, listeners might know from the Suicide Squadcast, if you're a listener uh, of that podcast. Um, he wanted to help us understand uh, John, how John factors in to the Kent family, because uh, we had some questions about him in Supergirl number eight. Uh, Scott says that Lois and Clark pre-Flashpoint conceived a child because of the events of Convergence. And after that event, they, uh, I think he's saying they, they were placed in the New 52. And uh, the story continued in Lois and, the Lois and Clark miniseries until the death of the New 52 Superman in Final Days. And Superman Reborn led to the pre-Flashpoint Superman and Lois with John being merged into the New 52 timeline as if they had always been there. And I hope that clears up all the confusion <laughs> that, that we had. Um, duh, that's of course how it happened. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of timey-wimey stuff happening in terms of the, the, the John Kent uh, character. So um, thank you for that backstory and that, that information that sort of at least helps me a little bit to understand <laughs> where John came from. 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl number 10. Uh, Sark, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us and talking uh, with us about this issue. Uh, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Oh, they can find me in, on Twitter at HolyBatPastor. And uh, I haven't been active just recently, but I intend on changing that in the very near future. And uh, of course, they can listen to me uh, if they care to on the DC Films podcast. I would highly recommend it. Sark is a great lover of the DCEU, so if you're a fan of that, go check out the DC Films podcast. And if you've already picked up this issue, make sure to give it a rating in Comixology or your DC Comics app. If you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl number 10 is available in the DC Comics app, the Comixology app, as well as Comixology.com, Google Play, the Nook Store, Amazon, and at readdcentertainment.com. As far as keeping up with us, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. We have a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so go check out all of our awesome uh, songs on that playlist. And we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, to, to hear Sark, uh, classic DC TV shows, and the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows... Subscribe to the DCTV Podcast Mega Feed and follow at DCTV Podcast on Twitter and like DCTV Podcast on Facebook. I don't know what Morgan's always complaining about. That's not <laughs> that hard to do. You know, it, it, she's not even here to defend herself. It's <laughs> not fair. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, no, she does it way better than I do. Uh, well, if, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's at D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram at the Derby Kid. That's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can also watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. And... My writing as of right now is on Nerdist.com and Sci-Fi Wire. Mostly I'm just on Twitter. Uh, what did I do today? Post a lot of GIFs as per usual. <laughs> so if you're into that and occasional live tweeting, check it out. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're much better at GIF user than I am. Well, you know, it, you can't teach it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us as we read Supergirl Rebirth.